All right, uh, time for another domain query uh, post. So this is domain query, the age of apostasy. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this is what the 15th or so? Uh, for, yeah, 15th, 15th uh, such item that I've done. So I got a really interesting question um, from a reader in my uh, email inbox. Uh, domain query at didacticmind.com and you know if you're listening to this and you have questions for me that's uh, one very good avenue to pursue uh, others are of course uh, hitting the uh, comment button on SoundCloud or on my site um, I got a re I got a question from reader H I'm not gonna reveal his or her name uh, the question was, uh, here, here's, here's what was written. Um, so, quote, Forgive me if this is an annoying question you would rather not answer. I understand if that is the case. If you're inclined to answer, I wanted to ask what your thoughts are about apostasy and returning to the faith. I was a Christian ten years ago and said that I no longer believed after believing the atheist arguments I read about online. Now, I see that many of those arguments are unsound, and I feel like our overly hedonistic culture is empty, and I've been lied to. I've wondered if I can return to Christianity, and if God would accept me back. But there's the verse in Hebrews that suggests otherwise, and I feel I may be damned, and there is no hope. Perhaps you can't answer whether or not an apostate can return. I wanted to ask a Christian who really seems to follow the Bible, as I have read Christian websites saying that verse in Hebrews is misinterpreted. As you point out on your blog, though, many modern churches and Christians are unbiblical and twist or ignore scripture. I don't want to lie to myself, and I must accept the consequences of my choices. But do you think an apostate can return to God, or is that not possible? Uh, first and foremost, I really deeply thank H for sending me this email. Um, <laughs> it made my day in, in ways that seem kind of strange uh, because literally just the night before I received this email, I was on my knees thanking God for um, rewarding my faith because that same night, uh, another reader of mine, a friend of mine, he knows me, he knows who I am in real life. Um, I've been helping him out with some, just providing some comfort and, and, and spiritual help and, uh, you know, fellowship and brotherhood um, during a very, very difficult, contentious time in his life with, uh, let's just say, woman troubles. And he wrote in to tell me that he was really inspired by me to by by what I had written by what I had said to start up something on his own uh, with a friend and I I was praying and I, I thanked God for you know for using me in such a way to give hope to other people and I asked him um, basically just one just just let me lead one back to you and let me do good things for one person that's all i'm asking I, you know i know i'm 
trash. I, I know I've screwed up. I know I've done terrible mistakes. I know you're very, very angry with me, but just, just let me leave one back to you. And uh, I'm not saying that's what H wants, because this person was already a Christian once upon a time. Um, I'm not saying this is a fulfillment of that promise. I'm just saying that God has a very, very interesting sense of humor. Um, using someone as broken and messed up as me to give guidance and hope to other people. Um, so, I wrote back to H at some length. And for context, here's the actual verse that is under discussion. This is uh, Hebrews chapter 6. So, uh, Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 12. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, and of instructions about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. Here's the key verse, uh, Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 to 6. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, and have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. Continuing through verse 7. For land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. Okay, the, the rest of the passage I'll get to later, but the key to dealing with this problem of apostasy lies in this passage. Now, on the surface at least, it seems pretty unequivocal that if you are an apostate, if you have committed apostasy, then you are cursed, you are damned. There is no way back for you. But you have to read a bit deeper. Um, the reading that I use is the English Standard Version. It's my favorite version of the Bible. If you prefer the King James Version, or the American Standard Version, or the RSV, or the NIV, or the AESV, or whatever, you know, the, the, the whatchamacallit V, I don't care, okay? Just get yourself a Bible. Just get a Bible, and open it up, and go to Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 to 8, all right? That's what matters. Now, um, the English Standard Version has has words that the King James Version does not. Uh, the King James Version has an issue with uh, the use of if uh, in 6.4. Um, uh, for it is impossible if those who have once been enlightened or something like that. If you go to Bible Gateway... Uh, you can, I, I highly recommend Bible Gateway, by the way, because you can compare parallel versions of the Bible um, side by side. It's very useful. So, you know, in King James Version, for it is, for it is um, in, in chapter 6, verse 6, 
if they fall away, to renew them again unto repentance. In the English Standard Version, it says, and then have fallen away. This is this may sound like hair splitting, but it's not because in the original Greek, as it turns out, um, the word "if" is not there. There's not really a concept of "if" in in the original language. So, what's going on here is is pretty profound. Um, the the on the surface, it seems as though once you have become a Christian, then you walk away, you, you, you can't come back. You, you know, apostasy is final and, and, and you are damned and cursed. Okay. The reason why I think this is an incorrect reading is not because I'm all about, you know, God is love and God is light. He wants you to be happy and all this crap. No, it's, that's, that's bullshit. And I hate it when Christian church and preachers waste my time with this crap. It really annoys me. Um, the first thing to understand is within the context of this passage, and then after that you have to look at the broader, you know, the, the, the broader Bible itself. Okay, so in the context of this passage, as I said to H in my answer, okay, um, this passage primarily applies to, historically speaking, the Jews who were shown uh, Christ's teachings, and had tasted of the, um, what's it called? Have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come. Have shared in the Holy Spirit. Now, this is where we get a, this is where it becomes a problem. See, to taste of the Holy Spirit and to share in the Holy Spirit, to drink of the Holy Spirit, these are two different things. If you have tasted of the Scriptures, meaning you've just read them or you've heard them, you experience them, you reject them, you walk away, you say, no, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not interested in this, this is not, this is not true, I reject this, I don't believe it at all. If you walk away, then in all honesty, you're not actually saved. What is the criterion for being saved in a Christian sense? The criterion is very, very simple. Bend the knee, declare Jesus Christ to be Lord and King Son of God, and that the Father in heaven rules over all. Follow Jesus and try to emulate him and follow his teachings. That's what it means to be a Christian. Bend the knee, declare Jesus Christ as Lord, and accept his gift of redemption through his blood that was shed on the cross for you personally. Okay? If you do this honestly, if you do this with an open heart and declare with all of your heart and soul, this is what I believe, the transformation that takes place afterwards is profound. The, what happens afterwards is that the Holy Spirit enters into you and you become saved in a very real sense. You, you become dead to the world and alive in the Lord. Um, it doesn't mean that you stop sinning. Uh, I do not believe in the doctrine taught by many Protestant denominations that um, once you're, you know, you, once you're saved, well, that's it. You know, you you don't have to worry ever again. Um, it's one and done. That's no, that's that's not how it works. 
Um, you become one of God's people, yes. You become one of his flock. But that doesn't mean that he's not going to judge you very, very harshly for your sins. It doesn't mean that your life is going to be all sweetness and light afterwards. It's not like that. What I said to H was very straightforward. I said, these people referred to in this passage, Hebrews 6, 4 to 8, have tasted of the gift, but they were not reborn, not baptized in the Holy Spirit. There is a huge difference between reading and, reading and kind of processing the words of Jesus and accepting them. I read the Bible for two years, um, and I stopped for a long, long period of time. I got, you know, I, I think I got through the, uh, through the Ecclesiastes, and I was like, okay, I'm bored, I'm going to stop doing this. Uh, for, I did that for two years, and I just, I couldn't, I, I couldn't accept it. Uh, you know, and then I started, uh, in 2015, once I started getting pushed, and I started getting some pretty clear signs, I started reading the New Testament. And then I was like, okay, this kind of makes sense. This is, this is, this is different. This is new. This is, this is not the same boring stuff that I was reading in the Old Testament. But I still hadn't accepted it. I was still processing it. Um, and then when I bent the knee and I declared Jesus as Lord, that's when things started changing in a very big hurry. And the New Testament became really powerful and really profound. I read the words and they leaped out at me from the pages. This was a living book. This was this, this book came alive, and its words spoke to me personally. Um, I'm not saying I interpreted them particularly well, but I'm saying that the words jumped off the pages at me, and I began to understand the meanings. And they change depending on different points in my life because it is a living word. That's the point of it. So, someone who rejects these words cannot be restored to repentance because he hasn't repented in the first place, right? Um, he has to be, you know, re read the passage, uh, read the bit about uh, thorns and thistles. Um, remember that the ground that has drunk of the holy water is green and lush and verdant. It has a crop. It bears a crop, produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated, okay? Useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated. This is very important. But the ground that bears thorns and thistles must be the, the is near being cursed. It is not cursed. It is near being cursed, and must be burned away. Its 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 end is to be burned. Okay, the thorns and thistles must be burned. Now, what happens when you burn thorns and thistles on bad ground? Those thorns and thistles become ash. They fertilize the ground and clear the way for good and green things to grow up from them. That's what this passage is saying. It's saying that this ground must be burned away so that what the Lord wants to produce from it can come forth. Now, looking at those verses of apostasy... Uh, about apostasy. Does it say that salvation is withdrawn completely? No, it doesn't. It doesn't actually say that salvation is withdrawn completely. The only thing that undermines this argument here is have shared in the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come. Okay. This to me indicates that 
whoever has tasted of the word and fallen away was never serious about the word in the first place. And this is the point that I made to H. I said very clearly, true faith comes from feeling the Holy Spirit move you. It, it comes from feeling the power of the Spirit within you. You cannot deny that power once you have felt it. It is impossible. I felt it. I cannot walk away from it. It doesn't matter what I think about, you know, the, the fact that we Christians believe in crazy things. We, like, Guys, come on. I mean, we believe that a man rose from the dead. We believe that a man walked this earth and healed uh, lepers and uh, cured the sick and caused lame men to walk and with the power of just a thought could make a dead girl rise up again with the power of a word could bring a dead man back to life and let him walk out of his tomb this is crazy it's insane why do we believe it because that man is also god and we believe it because we feel the power of the holy spirit within us once you feel it, you cannot deny it. That's the difference. Once you have felt that force, once you have felt it move you, that's where true faith comes from. And it's unbreakable at that point. You can't, you, you cannot say it's not true because you felt it. Furthermore, as I point out, um, pointed out in my response in writing, uh, salvation is eternal. Now, the, does that mean it can just be withdrawn? You know, it, if, if the promise is there and you accept it in your heart and in your mind with all your soul, does that mean that it can just be taken away again? No, come on. I mean, does eternal mean something other than eternal? Like, really? Seriously? Um, that does not mean that you cannot uh, fall out of favor in the eyes of God. Of course you can. It does not mean that you stop sinning. You constantly sin. It does not mean that you are perfect and unblemished in every way. No. What it means is you do your best to turn away from sin. You are disgusted by sin. You you don't want to be part of it anymore. And that's exactly what happens, actually, if you, if you really accept the power of God and the power of Jesus. You really turn away from sin. You, you don't want to be around it anymore. Um... It does not mean that you will not be judged harshly. The Bible says repeatedly, many, many times, that God will bring his people to stand before him on the day of judgment, and he will judge each according to their lives and their deeds and their faith. If they have sinned, he will judge them harshly. So he's going to judge all of us very harshly. And it's not going to be fun. It's going to be a very, very painful experience. It's going to be very miserable. But it is better to stand before him and be judged by him, however harshly it is, than to be simply cast away into outer darkness and not even considered in the first place. And that is the key message. Now, look at the rest of the Bible. What did St. Peter do in Luke chapter 22, verses 54 to 62? He denied Jesus Christ three times, despite being the closest of his disciples. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, the, the closest of his disciples. What did, what, you know, what was Peter? Cephas, or uh, Simon Petra. He was called, he was, he was renamed by Jesus. 
Petra, you will become the rock upon which I will found my church. This is the man who denied Jesus before the authorities. Three times, exactly as Jesus said he would. And he became the first pope, the foundation of the church. You're telling me that a man who denied Jesus, who knew him better than just about anybody else, was, you know, an apostate, basically, walked away from Jesus. You're telling me that he was damned for all time? Really? Seriously? Come on. This guy became the first pope. Um, look further on. Uh, what about, you know, every single time that Israel sinned? What did the Lord say? I mean, the, the whole of the Old Testament, pretty much, all the histories anyway, consists of the Lord says, do, uh, the Lord says, do X. If you do not X, I will punish you this way. Israel says, we will do not X. The Lord says, I told you I was going to punish you. Israel says, well, we accept that. You know, fine. The Lord says, okay, here it comes. Here comes the spanking. Israel says, ouch, that really hurt. We're really sorry. Please don't spank us anymore. The Lord says, okay, fine. I'm not going to spank you anymore. I'll give you another chance. Israel says, thank you, Lord. You are God. We promise not to sin anymore. The Lord says, yeah, uh-huh. You said that last time too. Guess what happens? Israel sins again. And the Lord forgives them again. That's the whole of the Old Testament, basically. That's most of the New Testament. If, you know, if you, if you choose to read it that way, that's what happens. Um, that, you know, uh, the Gentiles continually, or actually the Jews continually reject Jesus. Uh, many of the Gentiles reject Jesus. Jesus himself says, uh, many will come to me on the last day and say, Lord, Lord, uh, and did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do these great things in your name? And, and Jesus will say, uh, depart from me, I never knew you. Right? All of that is there in the, in the New Testament. Because, again, it's all about not doing things by works, but by faith. It's all about accepting that faith into your heart. The last example I want to give is of the prodigal son, uh, Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 32. What did he do? He squandered his inheritance. Uh, his, his father divided his, uh, his lands equally between the two sons. The elder son stayed and was faithful. The younger son uh, took his inheritance and squandered it within a few weeks or a couple of months. And he came back to his father and he said, Father, I have sinned against you. Um, I am not worthy to be treated as your son. Treat me instead as your servant. Uh, but only do not turn me away from your sight. And the father embraces him and clothes him in a fine robe and calls for a feast to be prepared. Um, this is a man who spat upon his father's name and who did everything wrong in his father's eyes and then came back humble, penitent, begging for forgiveness and asked to be taken in again, even if it's just as a servant. That is the key to understanding this, this issue of apostasy within Christianity. Yeah, if you are an apostate, if you, if you succumb to apostasy, that's a huge problem. It's a huge mistake. But we're not Muslims. We don't call for you to be killed. We're not, you know, we're not that stupid. 
um, we're not interested in killing off people. We're interested in helping them to see the truth. And the truth is, if you commit apostasy, you are going to suffer for it. And it's going to be very painful and very miserable. Trust me, I know. Um, I'm a former atheist myself. I still suffer for the things that I said and did as an atheist. And, I mean, I wish I'd never done it. I, I really wish I'd never been that dumb. But I was. I have to pay the price for it. So... My advice to H was, ask the Lord in the calm and quiet, with all your heart and soul for forgiveness. Pour out your heart before God. Uh, it's, this will be very difficult. It's really unpleasant. Um, but I do believe that God will make his love and mercy shown in very, very quickly. And the doubt and the pain and the fear will be replaced by calm and peace and love in very short order, um, unlike anything you've ever known or felt before in your life. And that is what it's like. There's a sense of indescribable joy and calm that you can't get from anything or anyone else. It's not possible. You just feel happy in a way that defies comprehension. You don't know why it's there. You don't know where it's coming from, but it's there and it's undeniable. That kind of faith, once you feel it, truly is unbreakable and unshakable. You can't get rid of it. You can be reason... Lieutenant Colonel Tom Cratman once um, wrote a comment to me uh, on, the, on the old blog. and It's still there somewhere in the archives. I'd have to go look it up. But he basically said something like, well, if you can reason someone into a position, you can also reason them back out of it again. And that's true. I mean, I was brought to the edge of the pool, as it were, by reason. I was brought to the, right up to the, you know, the, the point where I could dip my toe in by reason. I could see that there was something profound in the scriptures, something I didn't really understand, didn't comprehend, but which just sort of seemed to work. Um, the problem is that if you can reason someone into a position, you can probably also reason them back out of it again. Uh, we humans are pretty stupid, and we have problems dealing with logical arguments. Uh, we can always twist the logic, we can make bad arguments that sound good. So you can always reason somebody back out again, and that's what atheists do all the time. They, they have these awful, stupid, stupid arguments. Um, the honest atheists, at least, have you know, something going for them. I mean, at least they're honest. They, they admit that they have some some questions they can't answer. But uh, the dishonest new, church, new, new atheists, the high church atheists, I have very little respect for them because their arguments are so transparently idiotic. Um, they, 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 they cover them in this sort of word smog, which sounds all reasonable and interesting. But once you have somebody like our beloved and dreaded Supreme Dark Lord, Vox Dei, Unto him be peace, um, who just smashes through these arguments with a, a battering ram of cold logic. Once you see that done, it's like, nah, I don't believe this crap anymore. It's nonsense, uh, and you can't believe it. It's it's ridiculous. Uh, you know the, the the arguments that the the high church atheists make about how the world came to be. It's just it's it's garbage. It's just so stupid. Um, the arguments they make against, uh, 
God on the basis of cruelty or evil or sin or this or that, you know, nitpicking on specific things in the Bible. It's like, dude, you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, it's just, it's so annoying having to listen to them. But the problem is that uh, they sound reasonable and they sound cool and they sound interesting. Um, but they're not. They really don't know what they're talking about. So I, I finished off my my letter to H and I said, um, take heart and be glad for your tests. You have the chance to know the Lord again, truly know him in ways that you did not at first. Pray to God, ask often for his, for his forgiveness and most especially forgive the atheists who lied to you. And I will pray for you and uh, I ask those of you who are listening to pray for H as well. And um, I said, I hope that what I've written gives you hope and comfort. And really, I, I sincerely want to thank this reader for, for writing in to me. Um, I'm not worthy to answer this question. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not a good Christian. I'm not a good person. But I'm really glad that someone wrote in to me asking for my help to try to, 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 to fix this issue or to address it, not fix it. I mean, you can't fix this. Um, I can't fix it. No, no human can fix this, is what I'm saying. Uh, it really... These are the things which reward your faith. These are the ways in which you see the difficult and painful soul-wrenching adjustments that you have to make rewarded. This really made my day. So, um, I have been shown my purpose in life. My true purpose. It's not to make money. It's not to be famous. It's not to be liked. It's not to um, have fun. At least not in the ways that the rest of the world defines fun. It's to point people in the right direction. And I am profoundly grateful for all of you, the, the readers, the listeners who have written in to me and, um, and asked me for help and inspired me to, to see this. Really, thank you. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it, it's a feeling like nothing I've ever seen before in my life. And I am so grateful to all of you for for what you've done for me. So, thank you. Um, as always, uh, you know, as I said to H, I said, uh, may the peace and blessings of Jesus Christ be with you. And remember, there is always hope because this reader felt as though there was no hope. And I said, there is always hope. Uh, do not hesitate to write to me again uh, should you seek fellowship and answers. And I encourage all of, the, all of you who are listening if this is something you're struggling with, go ahead, write to me. Because if I don't know the answers, which I probably don't, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty stupid when it comes to scripture. Um, I probably know somebody who does. Uh, there are many far better and more worthy men of my acquaintance who are really good, strong Christians who can point you in the right direction. I know these guys. Um, these are good people. And they can guide you. Um, and I hope that H, if you're listening and, uh, you see this podcast, 
I do hope that someday we'll have a chance to meet in person and to discuss these things either in person or virtually, given the the coof, the beer bug, the kung flu, all this bullshit that we're dealing with. Uh, who knows? But hopefully someday uh, we can share these experiences in brotherhood and, uh, uh, you know, just work through some of these some of these things together because this is all about helping each other carry out carry each other's crosses each other's burdens uh and that's what it's all about so uh this one's gone on a bit long i realize but uh I'll try to cut it off here uh please pray for my reader and uh if you have similar questions or issues that you would like me to at least point you in the right direction with Feel free to write to me. The email address is in the description box um, on the SoundCloud link. And it's uh, obviously all over my site. So uh, let me know. And uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, like, share, comment, and subscribe, as always. If you are not subscribed to the site, make sure that you do. I'll put the, um, the link to subscribe in the description box in SoundCloud. And uh, it's all over the site as well. This is Didact. And this has been Domain Query, The Age of Apostasy. And here I am, signing off.